Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 54, I Don't Mind If You Bug Me. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Gina as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a little hot in here, but you know what? I feel like this cool conversation will cool us down. That's like a cheesy thing I just said, but you know what? I liked it. But you know what? That's okay. I'm in Florida, and it's hot everywhere right now, so I I understand that. We're going to cool it off. We're going to make it real cool here. So yeah, it's a lot harder where you are than when I am, so I can't complain. I have no right to complain. (laughs) So before we jump too far into our body heats and the heat of where we live, let's learn about more about you. So who is Gina? All right. So I am actually a student here at one of the smaller colleges. I go to Broward College and I'm a transient student at the University of Florida. I'm studying environmental science and I'm currently in the process of applying for graduate programs uh, to go into entomology. I, let's see, at the school, I do tutoring. I run our insect collection. Um, I'm also jokingly, like the lead, not jokingly, but I'm the lead student in our student research lab. So not only do I facilitate and manage my own research projects under the guidance of my advisor, I also help other students with their research projects as well um, and assist the students that work on our herbarium and our teaching garden. So I get to wear a lot of different hats, but my biggest one is the head bug girl in charge. So you're a jack of all trades, which is great. It kind of happens. It comes with it comes with the territory. You know, if you're going to know a thing or two about bugs, you need to know a thing or two about plants and all the places where they where they live and thrive. So you end up learning a little bit about everything. So speaking about bugs, which is the topic of today, how did you get introduced to bugs? It's not like you saw a bug on your forehead. You're like, you know what? I like this. <laughs> no, that definitely isn't how it happened. Um, so I've always, I mean, even since I was a kid, I've always been into nature. I've li- I've always enjoyed being outside. Um, my parents were really into fishing and camping. But we lived in Central Florida, and then I moved to South Florida. And with the move to South Florida... I decided to go back to school and I was initially going to do looking to go into forestry because I was very interested in forest entomology and the pests that plague our forests. Um, And that came about after a very impactful visit to uh, the Valley of the Giants uh, up in the Redwoods in Northern California. I did this whole trip and I was like, you know, these are spaces that are worth protecting. And people think of conservation in regards to simply just protecting a parcel of land and land management. But for me, it was looking at the things that are actually causing problems for the trees in those areas. So in route to pursuing or what I thought was pursuing a forestry degree, um, I took a entry level entomology class. It was literally just called Bugs and People. It's a 1,000 level class. It's a non laboratory science, and I needed one of those. And I was like, hey, I like bugs and I want to work with bugs. Uh, so I'll just take that class. And in taking that class, I just fell in love with it. Like our professor took us out just for a random collecting trip just on campus, and it was super fun. And the more we got into class and the more we got into techniques and how bugs live and where they live and how bugs have impacted cultures and history and populations, uh, I got way, way into it and decided to just full force pursue that. Oh, okay. That's pretty interesting. So it wasn't necessarily something that you were fascinated about when you were a child. It's just something that grabbed your attention later on in life. Were you interested in bugs when you were younger or not so-so? Not really. My thing was actually more plants. When I when I was going back to school and even coming up as a kid, I was way more interested in plants. Like I wanted to go into botany. I wanted to work with plants. I wanted to learn about how bugs functioned in plant ecosystems. And I totally made a 180 and got way more into bug systematics and what bugs are doing and how they live and who they are and what they do. Now, this might be a really tough question, but is there one bug that dominates all the other bugs as your favorite type of bug? Um, It's not necessarily like a specific bug. And it's funny that, well, let me backtrack a bit. It's funny (laughs) that you say that it's a hard question because for entomologists, it's not. Entomologists are so highly specialized, (laughs) or at least most of the entomologists that I've I've known and worked with, uh, they are so highly specialized and they all have like, if not their one group, they have their one family, their one genus, their one species that they really, really work in. 
And for me, that's, that's cerebesides. I love longhorn beetles. Those are the ones that are, they, they are forest pests, but they've got like the, the big long antenna that are usually about the size of their body. Some of them are very small and slender. Some of them are very big and charismatic. Uh, but though that's my group, I'm actually working on a wing morphology project regarding cerambicids. So I was really excited to pick that up and kind of have that as a side piece because that's a group that I am very interested in. So as you were explaining, I just had to look up what a longhorn beetle look like. So I have a visual that is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, they are wood boring beetles. Uh, so they do dive into different types of trees um, some of them are problematic. Most of them just kind of live, do their thing, and they're managed within their ecosystem. But there are problematic cerambicids that the U.S. Forest Service and, and the USDA do keep an eye out for. Now, you're not only going out into the field and doing research on these insects. You also have a collection for yourself. Do you have live uh, bugs or are there more the ones that deceased, like the dead ones? <laughs> um <laughs> So what I keep is mostly dead. <laughs> uh, they are pinned there in alcohol. I have entertained having my own like live bug collection. I do have friends that do that. Um, one of my one of my bug friends does raise mantises. Um, I've personally looked into just having a little beetle farm because beetles are fun. But as of now, most of the bugs, actually all the bugs I have, are dead. <laughs> oh, not because of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, be definitely because of me. <laughs> but it's for science and research, I promise. Please don't be mad at me, vegans. <laughs> it's all for a good cause. It's all for a good purpose. I completely understand. <laughs> and how big is your collection? I, start, I started taking my collection seriously about two years ago. Right now, I probably have about 300 specimens that are ID'd at least to family. I have 150 that are ID'd probably the species at this point. And then I have several hundreds, if not thousands at this point wow. that are that are waiting to be curated and tended to. And that's just my stuff. That doesn't even include like the, the work I'm doing for our college. So I have to ask you, how do you uh, organize it? Do you have a database where you write everything down? Do you store them on shelves in your house? What's the whole collection process of maintaining these? I do have a collection log. It's a practice that we started in our in our entry level entomology class, and I kept up with it just as as a quick way for me to see what I have, what I need to work through, what what trips I haven't processed, etc. So as I'm curating things, I just dump that onto my log, and it's just an Excel file. It's nothing too crazy. When you curate things, you have to let them dry. So you pin the insect and you have to let it dry for about a week or so on styrofoam. I'm fortunate enough to have a huge closet space with shelving in it. So that all hangs out in there for a week where my animals can't get to it. And then I bring it out and I put it in a box. And right now I'm actually in talks with my program manager to get my first proper insect cabinet. That's pretty How much, how many insects can the cabinet hold? A staggering amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that many. Yeah, of course. It's it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot for for me or anybody that's just picking it up as a hobby. I have a friend that has a couple of these in his house, and I'm pretty sure he has filled them because he is an aggressive collector and he is a taxonomist. It's it's the thing he does. So you can you can fit thousands upon thousands of specimens in into any kind of insect cabinet, depending on how you curate and how you organize it. I have a feeling you're not just throwing them all in, dumping them in. You're neatly uh, like putting them so they're on well displayed and stuff like that. It's not just like a box of Legos where you just throw it all into the box. Absolutely. Uh, it, there is an art to it. Initially, you know, you do kind of have to like just get things off the of boards and you throw it in a box for the time being. But by the time you're done with it, it there is an art to it and it is organized and thoroughly labeled and curated and you know you look at it like you're curating art you're curating a, a piece of a natural history collection what was the first bug that started your collection oh <laughs> tough question oh i know right i'm like what was the first bug i caught like the first like I, it was probably something art you know something 
uh, arbitrary, like a grasshopper or something. That's usually like the first thing people get. But the first one that I remember and I fell in love with is a butterfly that has a very, very, very uh, small native range. You can only find it in South Florida in the Bahamas. Uh, it's the Atala butterfly. It's Eumaeus Atala. And it's a tiny little clumsy butterfly. <laughs> so, like these butterflies are so dumb and they're really not anything super, super spectacular, but they were considered in- extinct at one point because their habitat and the plant that they need to, um, to lay their eggs on and live on was getting decimated and was being pulled out of, out of their natural habitat. And then as people started to reintroduce the plant, they came back and it was such a huge deal for me because I had never seen them growing up in Central Florida. So that, that was the one. That was the first catch that I was like, yeah, I want to keep doing this. So wait, what made them the clumsy insect? They are notoriously clumsy flyers. If you look up anything about the Atala butterfly, specifically their behavior and just how they get around, there's almost always some kind of comment about their erratic flight pattern. They're slow and they're kind of clumsy. Their body contains toxins that are displeasing to predators. So they don't really have to be fast or anything like that because, hey, you can try to eat them, but you're not going to like it. Sounds like my spirit bug. <laughs> I'm super clumsy and I'm just full of toxins and I can't walk straight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're one in the same. Yeah. No, I feel that on a spiritual level. Totally. Now, this is a question I didn't write down, but I feel like, you know what, it's pretty interesting and I don't know if you have an answer for it, but if you were to discover a new bug, what would you name it? Oh, man. <laughs> Probably something ridiculous and movie-related or or music-related. I like horror movies. I like cheesy sci-fi movies. And I like all sorts of music. It would probably be something ridiculous like, like I'd name it after Snake Plissken or something. I, it'd be <laughs> ridiculous. Speaking of which, what are some, uh, what is the funniest bug uh, name you've encountered? Oh, man. I'm really putting you on the spot. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so good that I want to look it up just to just to find it for you. Yeah, by all means. In that case, I will tell the people one story that I had. Um, once I was a kid, I saw a, a wasp or a bee, and I didn't know what it was exactly. So, for other bugs, you can pick it up in your hand and then hold it. This one, I'm a kid. I'm like, oh, what is it? I cup the bee or the wasp. I can't remember which one it was. Thinking it was just a normal bug that won't bite or do anything, and then for a few seconds. Then I realize, yes, it does sting. It does not bite, it's dung. So that's my first experience with a bee. And now back to Gina with... Uh, <laughs> sounds like a new story. But yes, back to Gina. Um, so you'll hear a lot of really, really silly like insect names with regard to like predators or insects that are particularly annoying. Oh, it's something horribilis or, or terribilis. Oh. We'll have to come back. Yeah, to that. we'll come back. I we'll come back. Find it. Uh, so in the meantime, I had this question written down: Where is have you ever suffered a bad bug bite from your collection? But since your collection is dead, I would imagine that's not very possible. So my question: well, Oh, you've been bitten by a dead bug? Well, I go out and I collect live bugs. Like I go and I deal with with live bugs, and then I kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and really, the most annoying thing is. Um, there's a subfamily of ants called uh, pseudomyrmicines, and they have notorious stings. <laughs> and I swear, I've probably all of my fingers at this point have been hit by pseudomyrmix, various species of pseudomyrmix. And it's the worst. It's the actual worst. And I'm sure people that have been stung by various wasps or what have you can tell you that that's worse, but. Those ants are actually terrible and like they'll make your whole hand swell up. And I always have a weird allergic reaction to it. And like my hand swells up for like weeks at a time. It's a whole thing. (laughs) uh, Speaking of which, uh, since you're so interested in bugs, did you ever or do you sometimes when you do get bug bites, do you observe where the bite happened to just see the evolution of the, we'll say the process or you're like, ah, screw this. I don't want to look at it and just move on. Um, it just, it, it comes with the territory. Like, I just don't even think about it anymore. I'm like, oh, well, that happened. All right. Like, I got, I got stung by a wasp when I was out at the Swanee River last weekend. All right. That happened. All right. It's like brushing your teeth. It's normal. Yeah. 
And how is the insect community around you? Honestly, like they're good people. Um, you know, it's that sort of thing where, hey, you're just excited to find somebody that is into your same nerd thing. So I've I've been fortunate enough to meet some really, really awesome, welcoming, friendly, helpful entomologists, whether they work for other institutions or if they're just students or working for the government. Um, I've yet to meet an entomologist where I was just kind of like, oh, well, that person wasn't very nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) So overall, it's a great community. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we all go and you overlap with people just because it's small enough to where you overlap a lot with the same people. So you end up seeing a lot of the same students. You end up seeing a lot of the same professionals. Uh, We go to conferences and you get to know other people. You make friends one year. They're your friends the next year. And then they introduce you to more people. It's it's always been very open and welcome and very inclusive much more so than I thought it would be. And within this community, do you guys tend to trade insects or everybody's collections? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how do you base how do you base which insect is to what value to another insect? Um, it really depends on that person's interests. You know, um, I have a friend in Australia that is studying roaches. I don't care about roaches. She wants my roaches, she can have my roaches, but she knows what insects that I like, so we'll swap things or we'll talk about the species and, Hey, this is there. Can you catch that for me and send me pictures, blah, blah, blah. So when it comes down to trading and getting things from partners, collaborators, friends, it really comes down to what that person's personal or research interests are. And are there types of insects from different regions around the world you really want to look into? Well, in South Florida, we actually get a lot of cool, unique things that other collectors would really like to get a handle on. But of course, as you get further into the tropics, you get a much greater diversity of my favorite groups of insects. You're looking at beetles and specifically plant hoppers and tree hoppers. You get incredible diversity of these fulgoroids, these these tree hoppers that have these beautiful um, extensions on their pronotum and along along the front of their body. And that's only found in the tropics. So I'm waiting to find an out or waiting to find an in with a scientist that'll let me go with them into various regions of either Asia or South America, just so I can get deep into these areas that have these huge diversity of or have this huge diversity of these groups that I'm really passionate about. So you already answered my following question, which was, uh, is there a specific insect that you want to add to your collection? Like that one that you've been waiting for so long, you just had to find it. But you just answered that unless it's changed a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, I, I can see you like just traveling around the world, have a backpack full of insects one day, like alive or dead. I, I, I'm not here to judge, but you're going to have a backpack <laughs> full of insects. It's going to be kind of cool to just walk around with those and uh, come back home and just improve your collection. But yeah, is there one if you have to pick one, is there one that you really want? Well, there's all sorts of beautiful, charismatic beetles. And my my men, my two mentors slash brodas that I work with would totally foo-foo me for saying this. But there's beautiful, charismatic butterflies that I would totally lose my mind over. Because butterflies are interesting, but at the same time, like, taxonomically, they're, they're kind of boring. But there's there's definitely, like, charismatic species of butterflies, like, that technically you can't have, like you can't have bird wing butterflies. You can't have ornithopterans. They're absolutely beautiful. And I would love to have something like that. Just in a nice little Riker mount, you know, a nice little, little box mount, just, just so I can look at it and let it be pretty. Just have it in the perfect lighting, not to ruin it, but like just to see it. And actually, um, are there any insects that you own that are now extinct? Um, so it's funny that you bring up Ornithoptera or that I brought up Ornithoptera because they're kind of in that, that vague territory where you cannot collect them. Or, like you can't collect those in certain areas and you can't travel with them or trade them in certain areas. Um, so there are heavy re- regulations on going after insects that are threatened. So no, there is nothing that is endangered and I want to keep it that way. You know, when we do collections 
uh, for research, we do have a cap on how many of a specimen we can have for research purposes. And it's so that, you know, yes, we can get the material we need to do research, but we're also not negatively impacting their natural habitat and these natural ecosystems either. So I, I make it a point to, if I see something that's like super rare, I, I usually will just be like, oh, hey, that's cool. Let me get a picture of it. But I won't, I won't take it home, just out of principle. No, that makes sense because they all play an important role in the environment and keeping the ecosystem well and thriving. I completely understand. Mm -hmm. And what would you say is the best part about collecting insects? It's just a lot of fun. Like, it, it totally has this really goofy Pokemon component <laughs> to it where you just want to catch them all. But you don't make them battle each other, do you? No, no. <laughs> Some people do, I guess. But... Um, and I definitely participated in a bug Olympics where we raced some insects against each other, but overall it's, it really does become a passion piece where you're like, you get so into, all right, what's here? Who is it? Can I identify it? And it becomes this, this game where I say game loosely, but it becomes <laughs> a bit of a game where you're looking around and especially if you're with a bunch of people who know what they're doing, you know, everybody tries to everyone secretly tries to out collect each other and out identify each other. It's, it's fun. It's friendly. And you usually end up learning a lot from the people that you're with. And even if you're doing it by yourself, you end up learning a lot about the diversity of an ecosystem. You know, I was just in the Swanee river and I was just collecting just on my own, just haphazardly. Like I was just walking around like, Oh, Hey, there's this bug. There's, there's that bug. And it's always surprising one, how much I find it surprising one, just, you know, how much I know and then how much the people around me know and how diverse ecosystems really can be. And as you continue to collect, you start to notice more and more insects. You start to notice different types of insects. You start to look down and you see all the stuff that's just hanging out in the soil or in the sand. And then you look up and you see all the stuff that's hanging out in trees. And people think that there aren't bugs around them all the time, but there's bugs around you all the time. And there's lots and lots of bugs around you all the time not to creep anyone out but it's a thing and as i've as i've continued to collect i've become more and more aware of that and my knowledge of all of those things that are around us has deepened tremendously and that's like oh it makes me so happy i know exactly what you mean like for me when i was growing up i was the type of kid where i would my parents had a backyard where there's rocks around the garden so i'd go one rock at a time look lift it up look at all the bugs doing their thing and then gently put it down and go to the next rock Look it up, lift it mm -hmm. up and just do that. It was just, it's so interesting to just see how they cooperate together and they work and they like scramble around like, oh my God, what is this? And then they go, go back to it. But I'd never disturb them. They're doing their thing. But I do understand the appeal of seeing them working in a community and coexisting together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was in the river and um, walking along a trail that was along a highway that was around the Suwannee River. And I saw a bunch of regular little little fire ants going to town on a a mutilid mutilids are you know there's there's velvet ant they're velvet ants excuse me and velvet ants are nicknamed cow killers because their sting is tr exceptionally painful like you're talking if this thing stings you you're going to the hospital and I look down and in the middle of the sand, there's this velvet ant that like someone had just stepped on or what have you. And there were all these very small ants that were just coming up to it and just taking bits and pieces off of it. And to me, I, that made me stop in my tracks a bit because you have this big wasp. Velvet ants are actually a type of wingless wasp that people are afraid of and rightfully so <laughs> is being devoured by another another insect that's within its family that's within it, the same group of insects it, it's interesting how you see like the the interaction there where you have this smaller insect that is considered not necessarily that isn't necessarily considered a threat taking down this big scary insect that like i'm afraid of i won't handle a live velvet ant no way you see a lot of interactions like that that surprise you a bit when you're working with the when you're working with insects like this. Kind of like a David versus Goliath kind of situation. Absolutely. And I think I remember seeing a documentary or a little snippet of 
honeybees. There were like a wasp or a hornet came into the nest and killed one of the honeybees. Mm-hmm. And then all the other honeybees just started going to town on this big one, stinging it until it just, they were trying to protect their own kind and ended up beating the bigger, badder bee or hornet. Yeah, that happens a lot with, uh, I believe it's the Japanese hornets. They will, they are predators on beehives and the wasp will fly into the hive and try to take over the hive. And what will happen is all the bees will start to essentially wiggle their butts. They'll all start to thermoregulate and wiggle their butts. And they'll raise the temperature of the hive to kill off the wasp. That's crazy. That's a, that's a crazy tactic. I love it. Yeah, but there, there's all sorts of cool interactions like that within the insect within the insect realm that people aren't necessarily aware of. They're like, oh, well, that bee, bleh, whatever. That bee will take down something way bigger than it literally by shaking its butt with its friends. <laughs> Could you imagine if people did that? All right, guys, let's shake our butts. Let's get rid of these guys. Yeah, like you wouldn't be able to twerk anywhere. What What would all the rap videos look like? <laughs> exactly. Well, like other interesting things like the ants where they would like gather together to make a raft to travel water. That's cool. Absolutely. Now for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started collecting insects? I think it was more so just not necessarily knowing what I was looking for or how to look for what I was looking for. <laughs> because like I, like I said earlier, you get better at it the more you do it, especially if you go out with people that are more experienced. You start kind of knowing what to look for. When you first start collecting, you go out and you're like, well... I can look in this tree, I can look in this bush, but I don't know like if I'll find anything. I don't even know what what I'm looking for. So that that was probably the hardest thing. And then getting over my ego a little bit because I didn't know what I was looking for or what these bugs were or or what to do with them when I had them. You know, there is a, a bit of a learning curve when it comes to learning where where you can actually find insects. It's not just looking on a tree, okay, what part of the tree are you looking at? You're going to find different insects on different parts of a tree. If you're looking on a trunk, you might find some beetles hanging around near the roots. If you're looking in the leaves, you're going to find different hemipterans. You're going to find maybe different flies. That awareness of what's there and where you can find it can be very overwhelming when you first start insect collecting. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you're looking at the whole tree and you don't know where to start. For half a second, I don't know why, my mind just went to you going up to a tree and just start shaking it until I see bugs falling. I don't know why my mind, my mind went there. Obviously, you didn't do that, but just I just had a visual image of you just doing I that. I mean, you could. <laughs> just a bunch of bugs falling on you. like, okay, now I have my collection. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I don't know if it's, you just said your challenges change. What is your current challenge these days? So I can get my insects to family like without really any issue when I'm out in the field unless it's really, really tiny. Um, or it's just a group that I'm not familiar with, like flies. I can't tell you anything about flies, man. Sorry. <laughs> but for the groups that like I'm, I'm familiar with, I can get down to family pretty easily. I'm trying to work towards getting into genera, you know, just sight IDing a genus or so, a genus or two, um, just by sight. So I'm diving more into the taxonomy of things and trying to just commit more of that to memory and not just settling for, hey, that's a that's a cerambicid, that's a buprested. You know, those are just different families. I'm trying to just dive deeper into the insects that are here so that I can do better identification when I'm out in the field. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like you want to be like the type of person that you, you want to be kind of, I don't know if people will get the reference, like a Pokedex in the sense where you see something and you already know what it is. <laughs> for people who don't know what a Pokedex is, it's part of Pokemon and it identifies creatures pokemon so it's kind of like that gina wants to be a pokedex which it's pretty cool yeah i mean that's that's the name of the game you know i want to as i continue to grow with things you know I, I want to do more um diagnostic work as far as identifying insects and working with others to to do that work that work is valuable you know people that that can do that are so valuable in so many ways whether it's in academia doing research Government agencies, government agencies love people that can do good diagnostic work. So it's a skill that I'm really trying to hone in on with the groups that I'm passionate about. Because if you, it, it can get overwhelming if you try to do too many things. 
you really do just have to look at one group at a time. Like there are groups of beetles that I can do pretty well. There's groups of, of true bugs, you know, of hemipterans that I can do pretty decently. And there's some, there's some bees and wasps that I can do pretty well, but that's still such a small chunk. And I'm okay with that <laughs> for where I'm at. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You're young. You have time. You can grow and just develop more knowledge about it. And that was a perfect segue to my next question. Has collecting bugs or researching bugs ever stressed you out? Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but not in the kind of way that you would think it's more to do with what I'm going to do with those bugs. You know, I have, I've taken classes where we had to have insect collections. We will have like three or four months to fully collect, identify, and curate a full collection. You know, our, our insect classification course, you have to have at least a hundred families. I turned in 110 insects that were fully curated, ID'd. Most of them were down to species, if not, were down to genus, if not, if not species. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And that can be really stressful when you have a whole lot of other stuff going on. Life in general is busy for most people. So taking the time to really sit down and get into the nitty gritty with, with my collections can be stressful, whether it's for class or just the research that I'm working on. You know, you run into deadlines with research, whether they're personally imposed or, or self-imposed, or if you are, or if you have a deadline coming on you from an institution or a conference date coming up, I have a conference date coming up. So I'm trying to plow through a lot of material in the summer while things are relatively slow. So it gets a bit hectic, but usually the hectic part is the identification part, taking the time to really go through what you have and ID it as far down as you can. And then linking up with someone who does know that group to get a confirmation on an ID. I feel like at this point, you've got it down to, quote unquote, a science where, <laughs> I know it's a really cheesy way to say it, but yes, you have it down to a science where when you first started off, it was harder to organize everything, but now you know exactly what to look for and how to identify and how to categorize it. So it makes the process a lot quicker, I would imagine. And uh, just to flip it, has collecting insects ever helped you relax when you're feeling stressed? So let's say you had a long day at work and just doing research, you come back home looking at your collection or you go outside looking at insects doing their thing. Does that help you relax? Absolutely. Um, I I'll never forget this. I was taking, I think it was, yeah, it was after uh, the final exam for my biostatistics course. That class was four hours long. The exam took me like three hours to do. My brain was Fried. I was exhausted, and I called up one of one of my bug friends, and I said, "Hey, man, you want to go run around the lake and collect some bugs and go hang out?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's really just that act of being outside that's helpful. You know, and it you get so engaged in what you're doing that it it really is a good escape from things. Like the act of collecting is the fun part. You're out in the field. You're, you're handling insects, you're, you're seeing what's out there. And usually you and your buddy, if you're with a buddy, y'all nerd out and it's super fun. And then you bring it back to the lab and that's when all the, the heavy lifting starts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that when you do go with your friend and go chasing bugs and just relaxing, has there ever been like just that one bug who you just could not catch, like you're fixated on, you lose sight of it, or it flies away and it lands right in front of your face as, it, as if it's teasing you? Yes. <laughs> um, I've had that happen. So there's, there are insects called owl flies. They are adorable. They kind of look like, they look a bit like dragonflies, but they hold their abdomen up when they rest. So it kind of looks like they're doing, if, for those of you that are familiar with yoga, it kind of looks like they're doing a bit of a downward facing dog situation where they have their butt in the air <laughs> when they sit down, whereas dragonflies are totally flat. I've seen dragonflies out or I've seen owlflies out in the field a handful of times and I've been with friends when they have collected them and I have yet to get one myself and I've been teased by them <laughs> in the same park at least like three times so it, that that insect might be my my Moby Dick it'll be my my great white whale 
I'm sure you're going to catch I've, it. I've accepted it. No, no, I've no. Accepted <laughs> you're going to catch. I know you're going to catch it after this podcast. That, that dragonfly is listening. He's like, okay, well, damn. Okay, I'm going to. You know what? I'll become <laughs> friends with Gina. I'll let her capture me. <laughs> and uh, to get into a little, I wouldn't say darker side, but what are some misconceptions about people who collect insects? Probably that we're like gross neck beards or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I've met entomologists that just. They run the spectrum, man. Like, have I totally met that that weird neckbeard dude that maybe you don't want to talk to because he's just like, maybe he's got like a, a roach or a collection of spiders just hanging out on his desk. Yeah, I met that dude. He's he's really not that bad though. But then I've met just engaging women and men that are just like they they seem like they would be rude or that they would be full of themselves because they're so intelligent and they're so knowledgeable and they're, they just want to sit down and talk about bugs with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't care how you're doing. They want to know how your bug is doing. Yeah. Yeah. They'll ask you about you later. <laughs> really. They want, the first thing will be like, Hey man, how's your research doing going? Or how's your collection going? When I was actively doing my collections for class, that was always the first question when I would talk to my, my entomology friends, like, Hey, do you, do you need something for your collection? How's your collection going? Disregarding all the stings in your face, all the bites and all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'd say like we're we're really not as as nerdy or socially inept as people might think. Because you know, you tell somebody that like your thing is insects, and they're like, "Wait, what? That's gross." And we're not gross. We we just appreciate insects and what they the services that they provide to our planet and to our ecosystems. No, I, I never thought you were gross. I love insects in the right context, not catching me off surprise. But yeah, you, most of the time I love insects. <laughs> like if I see an insect in my house, I'm not going to kill it. I'm just going to try to guide it out. Uh, I love yeah. spiders. I don't, I know it sounds weird, but I don't kill them in my house. The reason why is because they help me catch other insects. They're performing a service. Exactly. <laughs> I, I give them a roof over their head and they give me uh, protection from a bug flying into my mouth. I know that's not highly possible because insects will avoid danger, but yeah. Yeah. I Even I make the joke that like bugs are totally cool except for roaches. Roaches are still <laughs> gross. <laughs> but roaches still have their place in things and I've learned to live with the roaches. You haven't accepted them. You're just like, all right, all right, I get it. We're in the same environment i'll accept you here but this friendship is not happening friend you friends on yeah. friends on the roach <laughs> yeah yeah sorry like i'm glad you're here and we can continue to like be here and support each other but not nah, you you can stay in your corner <laughs> <laughs> the roach is like i just want to be friends that's it that's it yeah uh so what has collecting insects taught you in life patience like i am an incredibly strong-willed rather stubborn like pedal to the metal human like when i get on something like i'm i'm on it i'm there i'm doing it and insect collecting isn't is not like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't put your foot on the pedal onto the insect yeah like it like you're gonna spend hours at a site sometimes you'll come up and em empty-handed sometimes you'll be surprised by a site and you'll have a really good collection trip but i've definitely learned a lot about or a little more about going with the flow and just kind of being patient with the process, whether it's actual insect collecting or the curation and identification portion of it. And do you want to present this hobby to the world or keep it more for yourself to just escape from reality? I mean, I hope I can make a full-time gig out of being a bug nerd. That That is a goal I have. But even if, you know, professional paths don't bring me that way, I, I'll more than likely still continue to collect insects and be involved with the entomology community because it is something that I'm just so deeply passionate about. And I never thought I would be as deeply passionate about it, but it is something that just now that it's here and I'm engaged in it, I really don't think I could see my life without it. And I don't think it's going to go any way or anywhere anytime soon. You seem very passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's presented me with a lot of really cool opportunities. You know, I, we went to Vancouver and attended a conference there and I was able to present research there for the first time. And I'll be back there, uh, this fall to present research again. 
I've been to London. I've been to Africa. I've seen Charles Darwin's co- personal collection of bugs that are held at the Natural History Museum in London. We we did some minor collecting, but still some my, some cool collecting while I was in Africa. You know, it's it really is something that has brought me out into the world. If you don't mind me asking, which uh, countries in Africa did you visit? Uh, we were we were briefly in South Africa, more so because of a of a, <laughs> of a delayed flight. <laughs> um, but we spent some time in Namibia, so that's going to be on the on the lower west coast of Africa. And we we started at a at a big big game cat preserve and worked our way down to the Namib Desert, and just phenomenal, incredible diversity, um, like. And when I say incredible diversity, I mean every kind of tenebrionid beetle you could ever imagine. Just these little tiny darkling beetles, but there were so many of them, and they were hanging out on, they were either just in the sand or on these really interesting indigenous plants. But Namibia was amazing, and we were trying to go back uh, this spring. That didn't pan out, but it's definitely something I'm keeping on my radar because there is a lot of really interesting systematic and taxonomic work to be done on the insects in Namibia. Well, after this podcast, I'm expecting once I release it that you're you're gonna already travel the entire world twice, <laughs> <laughs> and final and finally catch the dragonfly. <laughs> now, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking up this hobby? So one of the guys that I do a lot of work with kept saying this. <laughs> he kept saying this when we were working a bio blitz. And I thought it was the funniest thing, but like, it's the truest thing I've ever heard about collecting insects. He just kept telling my friend that was with us to go get it. <laughs> like we were, we were with, we were collecting with uh, a friend of mine who was maybe a little rusty and John just kept yelling at him. He just said, go get it, Andrew, go get it. And really that's, that's it. You just gotta, you can't be afraid of it. If you see what looks like a scary wasp, Hey man, get your net out and go get it. Yeah. They're more scared of you than you are of them. Absolutely. You know, and then of course there's, there's patience with the process and learning, blah, 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 but you don't, you're not going to learn if you don't go get them. You got nothing to lose to learn. If that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. Um, do you have any social media links or websites that you would like to share? It could either be personal social media links or even, let's say, your college's websites or your research website or anything you'd like to share. Sure. So, uh, Alex, you've seen my Instagram. If you want to follow, like, my random bug adventures, it's, it's about this point, it's like 75% bug content and then like 10%, like, felt cute, might delete later. (laughs) You're talking about the bugs, right? Yes. (laughs) I'm on Instagram. It is Swamp to Swamp. And there is a funny story behind the name change there. It essentially alludes to the research that I've done. I've I've officially collected insects from the Everglades up through Gainesville. And Gainesville is lovingly called the Swamp by the University of Florida fans. The stadium is is called the Swamp. And when football games are played there, the, the... Term, the joke is, you know, that you're going to the swamp. However, right, well, that's perfect. I'll put that in the description so people can go check you out. And I'm sure if they have any questions about bug, they're more than welcome to contact you, correct? Oh, absolutely. I, I talk to people all the time about what's this bug in my yard? What's this <laughs> bug in my bathroom? My, my friend Shasta, she is a PhD candidate in Australia. She had a friend that was here from Australia that saw some crazy bug near West Palm Beach. And she sent it to me asking, hey, what's this bug? The bug was very common to us. It was just a, a love bug. <laughs> but her her friend had never seen it. She's like, what is it? How come there's so many of them? Because if you're not familiar with love bugs, they have this tremendous swarming season in the beginning of the summer here in Florida. And it's it's bonkers. Like if you're driving on the highway, your car will be covered in them. Wow. So her friend was like startled by that. And like her shot the arranged a link through so she could ask me about like the weird bugs that she was seeing while she was here. So I'm totally down to talk to whomever, whenever about 
bugs, whether it's something cool that you collected or, hey, you don't know what that is. If I don't know, I'm pretty sure I can ask someone that does. There you go. So it's once again, it's that community aspect. If Gina doesn't know, she'll lead you in the right way. But I'm pretty sure Gina will know because she's very knowledgeable about bugs and she will talk to you like she did for me to me for almost an hour now. So I'm sure she will keep you informed and teach you new things like she taught me. Now, do you have any questions for me about collecting insects or just insects in general? I do, actually. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Because when, well, because when I met you or when I started talking to you, you had mentioned that you were into insects and that you had your own interest in it since you were a kid. How did that happen? Uh, well, that, there's, I have a few stories like um, my backyard had full, different types of insects. So like I was saying before. I was a very curious kid and just one day I would like follow a little bug. I can't remember what, maybe it was an ant or a potato bug. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it went in underneath the rock and then I lift up the rock. I'm like, whoa. And I would do this for hours, hours on end, just outside. My parents would look at me. He's like, okay, it's two o'clock. Okay. Alex is at that rock. All right. Four o'clock. Alex moved four rocks down. So I would like go one rock by one rock and just observe. And of course it's pretty much the same insects underneath every rock, but I just love like the combination of it. And I just like looking at bugs and how they interact with each other or ants. Just trying to think when I was a kid, I was thinking, where are they going? Do they know where they're going? They're just aimlessly walking. Like, where are they going? I'm so curious. So I'd follow them. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm aimlessly walking towards them. They're doing their job. I'm just harassing them while they're just walking <laughs> around. But I do have one interesting story that isn't necessarily the most happy bug story but it's a memorable one where one day i was playing basketball in my backyard and at the end of the game i'm like all right i'm gonna take a nap on the ground in the grass and for 10 minutes i took a nap i got up i'm like you know what i'm gonna go take a shower sorry first of all this might be a little scary for people who don't necessarily like bugs or are scared of bugs so just a heads up i don't know if this is not safe for work but yeah either way i go back upstairs i'm like i'm gonna go take a shower i start taking a shower you know doing Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, just did, like the body. And then I get to the, let's say the nether regions. And then I feel something moving. And it wasn't from me. I looked down. There was a hornet stuck in my pubic oh, no. hair. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. I freaked out. I'm like, ah. Like, of course, if I would have saw the hornet in any other context, I would have been more gentle. But in this case, I had parts to protect that I was just scared to have injury that was really like cut up into pieces but yeah so unfortunately i did not save that hornet and but yeah that was my one bad experience with an insect all the other experiences have been great you know it's funny i actually have a story similar to that <laughs> is it the same hornet <laughs> he followed us yeah. man nothing quite happened but when i was in africa there were a couple of places that we went to where the bathrooms were just open stalls like you had a toilet and then it was just open to whatever the elements were like it was not a fully enclosed situation mm -hmm. and they made it a point to tell you to check around the toilet seat and to close the lid and to check it before you sit down because like crazy bugs and snakes and stuff would, would get into the toilet. And that is terrifying. <laughs> Luckily I didn't run into that, but I spent a good chunk of that trip being way too terrified of toilets. <laughs> you were doing like this hover thing over the toilet where you never touched it. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. Is something going to like crawl up out of here? Like, and knowing just what I know about bugs, the odds of it being a harmful bug or even like a harmful snake, relatively rare, you know, not necessarily the most common thing to happen, but it still does happen. Like we were in, in a situation where we, we were by a bathroom and a scorpion rolled on through. <laughs> okay. Just needs to do its business. <laughs> yeah. So... Like that's, yeah, anything that happens with a bug in a bathroom sticks with people for like the rest of their lives. Yep. Yep. And what scared me is that it was there for 10 minutes and it didn't move until I got into the shower. <laughs> I honestly think if it would have stung me, I would have hit myself. Like I would have punched myself. My parents would have been like, what the hell is going on with you, Alex? 
and I mean that that stuff happens though. You know, my my mom, <laughs> my mom got scared by a moth, like a big moth was in the house and it flew in her face, <laughs> and it scared her. And she fell down the stairs. Oh I was like, "What the hell happened to you?" A moth attacked me. I couldn't fight back. <laughs> Like she, she called me and told me about it and I, I made sure she was okay. And then when she said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Then I said, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> the moth is still there today. <laughs> She's like, I'm not oh, yeah. fighting it out. You know what? It's got its own room. It's not paying rent. You know what? It's, it's living here for free. Yeah. Yeah. L- moths have relatively short lifespan. So, hey, it'll just live out the rest of its days and then it'll just crumble into dust. And then the family members will come in and then their family yes. members. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Gina, for coming on the show and sharing this amazing storytelling aspect and learning more about bugs. So now I feel that I have to go around my house now looking at bugs and not disturb them. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I see a spider, sometimes I bring them out if it's a nice day, not during wintertime because it does get cold here. But I don't want to grab the spider. So when I see the web coming down, I do this like magician pulling out uh, scarves things, trying to hold the web so it doesn't touch the ground so I can bring them outside. <laughs> Well, we're we're at the time of year where we get a lot of really big spiders, especially out in forested areas. Like we get all the big orc weavers and banana spiders during the summer. And man, I just let them be. I'm like, hey, you're here. Cool. Try not to make a mess. <laughs> Sometimes we name our the spiders here. Like, hey, it's Johnny. Johnny's feeding one. Yeah, yeah. He's eating today. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to learn more about Gina, by all means, go check her out on Instagram. I'll put the link in the description or the show notes, whichever one you consider them. Uh, and she's more than happy to talk to you. You can share stories, your bug experience, your amazing adventures and vice versa. And she's very friendly. So it's going to be a great time. If you want to be on my show or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, this goes without saying, if you think this episode is going to be helpful for anybody, whether they're going through a hard time and need to observe another community, but not a human community, let's say a bug community, to feel better, by all means, go outside, look underneath a rock, look, shake a tree. Don't shake it too hard, but just look around your environment. There's life thriving everywhere and you might learn something new and maybe pick up a new hobby. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much again, Gina. You're welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. This was really, really fun. Yeah, the time really does fly by when you're just having fun and sharing stories. It really does. It really does. I'm like, we've been talking for an hour. How did that happen? It flies by. When you're having a great conversation, there's no dull moment. I love it. So, yeah, until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. Take care.